welcome to Chapter Surfing, the podcast where each month I talk about a TV show and the book that it's based on. I'm your host, Lenny Burnham, and you may remember that the very first episode of this show, we talked about uh, Pretty Little Liars, me and my beautiful guest, Jan Kripe, and uh, uh, if you listen to that episode, you know that the first book only covers the events of the pilot, uh, so we decided to revisit it and read a little bit more this time. So we read book two through four, which is roughly the first two seasons of the show, but uh, expect spoilers from the entire series. Uh, and uh, like I said, once again, Jane Kripe is here with me. In the words of Allison De Laurentiis, <laughs> did you miss me? <laughs> I'm so excited about this. Uh, I really enjoyed these, these weird, weird books. Um, so yeah, let's talk about them. Uh, these cover, like I said, basically uh, the first two seasons. It's uh, books one through four are considered like the first arc of the sh- of the book series. So it mm-hmm. kind of wraps up, reveals that Mona is A, and we think uh, Ian killed Allison. Um, so uh, I wanted to start off with just like the biggest difference that leapt out at me when I read the books, which was Toby Cavanaugh. Yeah. <laughs> He's is he only in book two? Yeah, right? he and okay. yeah, I like I had to write down when each of the books starts and ends because I knew I was gonna lose track. And oh, so that's the, smart. So the first book we read was flawless, and that starts right after Allie's funeral, which is right for the pilot, and then it ends after Homecoming, which is called Foxy in the books, <laughs> which is like an even weirder dance that they all have to spend a lot of money to go to and is like privatized. <laughs> Yeah, um, I um I really liked in the books how like they're like insane rich people. <laughs> I feel like in the show they come off really average um cuz you know on TV like everyone has like nice clothes and a big house. Um mm-hmm. I felt like the the books had a lot more of like a gossip girl element where they go to like crazy parties uh that I really missed on the show. Yeah, and they're always referencing their, like, Rosewood Day uniforms with their little plaid <laughs> skirts. And then the show was like, mm, they're going to go to the public school. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, the first book that we read, which is the second book, ends with Toby killing himself, which is <laughs> um, much darker than, I, I guess, what happens with him in the show. Yeah, they reveal <laughs> that he touched Jenna, like, non-consensually, right? Yeah. Um, and it, which in the show, they were just like, secretly doing it right it was like a lot more innocent actually i've been rewatching the show and jenna is sort of doing it to toby (laughs) non-consensionally which is fucked up but there's this like weird like she like tries to seduce him and he's like i'll never touch you again and then we see her buying lingerie and he's like trying to escape her so i i don't know why they were like as we're adapting this book instead of the brother who dies being the evil one we'll have it be the blind victim (laughs) of the attack yeah they made very weird choices with the adaptation because in the show uh toby is also like the love of spencer's life Mm -hmm. and it's so weird because in the book He's just like this weird guy who they reveal molested his stepsister and then he dies. 
He gets the chance to be friends with Emily for like a minute and then via a misunderstanding. That's what was so tragic about it is Emily tells him, I know what you did. And we're so, and she means, I know you killed Allison, which he did not do. Mm-hmm. And he thinks that she means, I know that you touched your sister. And then he runs off and immediately kills himself as if after like a little sitcom misunderstanding where no one could say, like, oh, wait, actually. Yeah, it's really weird because I felt like it was going to turn out to be like it was more of like a truly like tragic misunderstanding where um, where like Toby thought it was about like something that was maybe like not that bad and only he thought he was really bad. But like when I found out it was touching his little stepsister, I was like, oh, like I'm pretty okay with him killing himself. Yeah, and that leads into the other big change from the books, which is that like, yes, is that we learn that Jenna planned the incident with Allie in an attempt to get Toby out of the house, either via, like, murder or, I guess, by blinding him or mm-hmm. however they thought that would happen or just getting him in trouble. Uh, and so the whole time that these girls were feeling really bad that them and Allison, like, pulled a prank to attack Jenna, it really turns out that Jenna planned this herself and is, like, maybe okay with the fact that she's blind because it means that she's not getting molested anymore. It's very dark. Yeah, it's a super dark thing to be just, like, a tiny plot in these books. Um, like, it's not, in ter- like, in terms of the story of the book, it's not that big a deal, even though it's, like, by far the darkest thing I think that happens. <laughs> There's, like, a really uncomfortable moment where I think it's Arya is, like, talking to Jenna about it and is, like, what could be worse than being blinded, even though she, like, already knows that Toby was molested? <laughs> God. And then it's so weird to jump from that to the show where all of them treat Jenna like this absolute monster pariah. Like, in the books, they have a little sympathy for her. They feel guilty around her. They're kind of uncomfortable around her because they know they blinded her. But in the book, or in the show, they're just like, fuck this girl. Like, they are so mean to her. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's because of a huge change in the books in general um that I think we'd like talk about a lot because it's so weird is how in the in the books a lot of the stuff happened when they're like genuinely kids like mm. little kids um and then the tv cha- the tv show changed it to just be like a one year um flash forward uh between Allie's death and the events of the show mm-hmm. um and so the, like the weird thing with Jenna is that all of their stuff with her was like this childhood thing Um, And then on the show, she doesn't even move there until freshman year of high school. So she's already like in her very first interaction with Allie. They're just like bitchy teenagers, which is a very different vibe than like a kid they tortured. Yeah, that's something that is so weird to think about when the books is that like, oh, these girls are in seventh grade, which is very different than being in like ninth or tenth grade, especially as I know that we're going to have to talk about all the pedophiles on this show <laughs> yeah. and all the relationships that these girls are having with them. Even though, like, characters that aren't, like, actual pedophiles, just, like, every adult character, the way they talk about Allie is so weird. Like, if you, like, imagine if you heard me talking about just, like, a random middle schooler at, like, Northridge Middle School that I was like, she's so beautiful, but she's bad news. You would never <laughs> talk to me again. Like, I would be like, is this girl Hannibal Lecter? Like, what's the concern? 
But yeah, it's weird to think of what the show might have been if um they had just knocked Toby out of it at like in the in season one and just had him actually off himself and be the bad guy because like <laughs> I've gone a little further in the books and spoiler Spencer's gonna get with Andrew Campbell. <laughs> oh wow! At least yeah. for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, the romances in the books are pretty different. Um, for Arya, it's pretty similar. Although I don't think Arya ever got with Sean in the show, right? Is that um. She does not get with him. There's a super weird thing after Homecoming where, like, at Homecoming, Hannah ditches him to go do some A investigation. And so to keep Sean busy, Arya just, like, dances with Sean. And then the next day, he brings her flowers and kind of <laughs> is like, oh, like, you gave me attention last night. Hannah didn't. And it's kind of funny because Arya's just like, wait, what the fuck? No. <laughs> and shuts it down, which feels more realistic than... I don't know. I kept thinking about that joke in Juno where it's like the jock being into like the weird girl. God, I know. And it's actually Sean from Degrassi. Um and I was just like trying to picture Sean from um Pretty Little Liars with Aria and it just ugh. Yeah. I really hate Arya's whole character of in the book of just like the way she'll be like oh, these typical Rosewood people. And it's so weird cuz she sort of sees herself as like a victim like she bonds with jenna being like oh i get it if you're an outsider no one will accept you but like all the popular boys have huge crushes on aria it's not sympathetic at all that she's just like condescending to the popular people while they all want to hang out with her after she was best friends with Allie, the most popular person, is now friends with Hannah, the most popular person, and her brother Mike is like a lax bro <laughs> that hangs out with the popular kids. Like, Arya, you are one of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so Arya's romance, other than Sean, is like pretty similar. Um, Hannah's I found really interesting because on the show, whenever she interacts with Lucas, I'm pretty much like, she's clearly not interested, like get away from her dude. Um, but in the book, I felt like Lucas was like a really good love interest because, um, Mm -hmm. she's like really, really attracted to him. She just is like, oh, he's not popular. So I can't. (laughs) Yeah. She keeps bringing up how like hot and charming he is. And he like has a job and hobbies, which is like more than most teen boys. (laughs) But it's kind of funny because she just keeps being like, even more specifically than he's not popular, it feels like she keeps being like, oh, but Mona doesn't like him. And I'm like, that's because Mona's your girlfriend. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, The the relationship between Hannah and Mona in both uh, the show and the book is just wonderful. I wish they leaned into that sort of intensity more and made it fully like, um, like the show Dare Me that's just like all about like weird... uh, codependent uh quasi lesbian (laughs) relationships um because yeah i think like by far the strongest part in the book is that stretch um after mona has hit hannah with her car (laughs) when she's like being super nice to her and is like just like always at her hospital bedside trying to get along i love that i haven't seen the movie phantom thread but i assume that that's what (laughs) phantom thread is like it's so sweet because you're like, oh, Mona feels bad. Like, <laughs> it's really I, sweet. Yeah, I'm such a sucker for the kind of ship where it's like, oh, her running her over with her car really brought them together. It really <laughs> fixed everything. That really is your dynamic. <laughs> I was like bummed watching the show that I was like, oh, Mona doesn't seem like, you know, too upset by this. And she would have been. And I think it was like, 
That's another thing about the show is um, my roommate was asking me, like, oh, well, did the person playing A know they were A? And I was like, oh, no, they didn't. And she made a good point of, like, well, that would have made the show better. God, I know. Yeah, I really hate how they try to make it, like, um, like it could be anyone. So, like, you'll see people who are, like, alone in their house with no one watching them reacting in a way that like doesn't make sense except to make them either like look suspicious or look innocent i hate that kind of stuff i would much rather just have us like get that dynamic where you suspect that she ran her over with a car (laughs) yeah especially considering how sexy the dynamic is yes i also love uh the dynamic between mona and spencer in that stretch when she's like no come on we could be super villains together it'll be great join the a team i love that they did that in both the book and the show because that is such a good moment and you do kind of wonder you're like why doesn't spencer just say yes and like yes stop being a victim start ruling her friends like they're all little dolls (laughs) yeah i feel like the books are more in the world of high school and you really feel those like this sort of tied into what I was saying before about how you can actually like sense how crazy rich they are is that like you do see the popular kids like having a great time and like going to crazy parties and stuff so you kind of get like why Mona would do all this stuff just to like be popular whereas I feel like on the show um they try to do stuff where characters like Mona and then later like Charlotte are super jealous of them but I'm like I don't really know why you're jealous they just like have three friends and like (laughs) that's so true and like Mona's the one who makes them friends like that's another difference between the book and the show is that like in the book when Mona is revealed as A a lot of her motivation is that they bullied her like they tormented her when they were kids and so, and like, when Aria came back or whatever, she decided, to like, to fuck with all of them. And in the show, she's like, you guys stole Hannah from me and is, like, jealous of their friendship. But, like, the only reason they stopped hanging out with her as much and hanging out with her friends was because of A. Like, Mona, like, pushed them all together and then got really mad that they were together. Yeah. The, the books are interesting because they're really not very good friends like whenever hannah Mm -hmm. chooses mona over the other three which happens a lot you're like yeah that makes sense like mona is actually her friend and the others are just kind of like her old friends from middle school yeah and she like hates aria because of the sean thing it really feels more in the books like they're just forced to talk to each other and they like can't Mm -hmm. stand actually being around each other and in the show it's immediately like and they're reunited (laughs) besties (laughs) Another big difference between the show and the book, because you mentioned, like, the Toby and the Jenna thing stuff, is all the moms, I feel, were so much harsher in the books. And then they have to, like, tone them down in the show so that they're not as cruel to their children. (laughs) Yeah, the parents in the book are horrifying. Like, I think the most upset I've been by these books is um this actually happened in book one so we talked about it a little but um on the subject of terrible parents like when they find out Ren uh was with Spencer who Ren is an adult uh like everybody gets super mad at Spencer and is Mm -hmm. like oh how dare you try to steal your sister's adult fiance it's so disturbing ugh Yeah, they, like, they shut down all of her, like, credit cards, and they do all these punishment things to her and, like, ice her out because she got preyed upon by her sister's boyfriend. Yeah, like, no one is upset at Melissa for, like, bringing a predator into this house. They're just Mm -hmm. like, oh, Spencer seduced him. And then, spoiler, we find out that Spencer and Ian have kissed, so, like, (laughs) Melissa really has a type. (laughs) 
It's so <laughs> creepy. I feel like normally I would like feel really bad for Melissa that she keeps like dating all these secret pedophiles except she's also a terrible person and will just be like she'll be like oh like I knew he I knew Ian hooked up with Allie but I didn't think it was serious I mean she's in seventh grade (laughs) what dude (laughs) well you know she's in seventh grade it's hard because there's so many pedophiles it becomes very normalized in this universe of like Rosewood is just most of the men are dating children or yes, pursuing it's, them. It's very difficult to find a man in Rosewood. <laughs> That's the other thing about the books is that, like, Spencer, or not, sorry, not Spencer, Arya is, like, very conscious that her and Ezra, like, parallel her dad uh, hooking up with his student. Like, it feels like she's constantly drawing those comparisons and being like, huh, Ezra's kind of like my dad. Or, like, I wonder if this is what it was like for my dad and Meredith. And then... Even, like, his girlfriend in the books is a lot more like Arya. She's, like, all artsy and creative and weird. Um, And, like, it's just such a gross parallel (laughs) that at least in the show they tried to be like, oh, it's a little different. (laughs) Even though barely. Oh, yeah. Um, But, uh, yeah, the the other biggest terrible parent thing uh after the Spencer thing which to me will just always be the fucking worst is um Ella gets so mad at Arya for not telling her about Byron cheating which she learned one when she was a child and two Byron was immediate Byron her other parent was immediately like do not tell anyone and Ella acts like it's like her fault for being a child who was like intimidated by her own father it's very upsetting it's like it's horrific how badly she reacts. She's like, I can't look at you, and Arya has to move out and live with Byron and Meredith, and is like afraid to see her mom, and is blaming herself. Um, and like, not to spoil too much about the books we did not read because I'm a weirdo and I'm still reading them. But Ella is now in the book I'm on in another relationship where the guy is preying on Arya, and Arya is now afraid to say something (laughs) because she's like, oh, well, Ella's going to get mad at me again. And it's like, yeah, this is what happens (laughs) when you're Uh, a bad parent in Rosewood. Yeah, these books do feel like they maybe, um, like, the pedophile lobby paid for them to be written or something because they're books aimed at kids that are constantly like everyone will get mad at you if you tell anyone you're being preyed upon you can't tell anyone they will all take it out on you yeah you will regret it it will be a mistake the pedophile will be nice to you but the when your parents find out they won't be it's so bad and then the show adds like additional pedophiles um like i don't know that garrett is in the books he certainly hasn't appeared yet um, Wilden is like has that relationship with Allie in the show that has yet to be revealed in the books. Um, I was gonna say Jason and Arya, but I think that's also in the books. And then I don't know. I feel like there's a string of Rosewood cops they put in the show that are all just <laughs> hooking up with people, mostly Allie. Like there's like Wilden hooks up with her. Then they have another cop named Holden, which is almost the same as Wilden. <laughs> Who also hooks up with Allie. And then finally, before the time jump, they have that Lorenzo guy that hooks up with Allie. Like, I don't know why the show was like, "Mm, the books didn't have quite enough pedophiles. What if we added some more and they were also all police officers? Yeah. Um, The the stories in the book, like I was saying, they like feel very like in the world of high school. And it's this sort of very simple thing uh, you were talking about that like Mona was bullied and she wants her revenge. And you're like, oh yeah, like, 
I get that. It's like simple. And then the show makes it such a complicated, weird story with this like um, pedophile video ring that never like really pays off or gets explained very much. Yeah, the NET club was like such a huge little tease that you were like, oh, well, this will be related to things. There's all these videos going around, getting sent around of all these girls through windows. And then it doesn't go anywhere. And I'm like, why did no one ever ask Jason about this? (laughs) (laughs) They also like, I don't think this gets mentioned in the book as much, but they really try to lean into in the show that like Mona has like these like mental illnesses slash superpowers. I specifically wrote down, because this is one of my favorite, like, series of lines in the show, is what Dr. Sullivan, the therapist or psychiatrist, says after they catch Mona's A. She goes, she was living in a perpetual state of hyperreality. The adrenaline rush that accompanied her her feelings of empowerment and her high level of intelligence fueled Mona's ability to be seemingly all-knowing and omnipresent. (laughs) And I kind of just prefer that where Mona is like a weird like god who just thinks that she it, it like really can control all these girls like they're dolls. Um then her being like you stole my friend that I made hang out with you. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny cuz the show, I mean the books um they're like fairly uh in some ways like realistic like they're basically just pushing like cyberbullying like a little bit further but you can see how like the things that happen are like you know secret three-way phone calls and like notes making fun of people in their lockers and stuff um you get how it's just like a like really really exaggerated um version of like cyberbullying and like bullying that happens in schools and then in the show like you said <laughs> mona is this like all-powerful supervillain, and then it's even worse with charlotte where she just has like a tony stark lab <laughs> <laughs> yeah in addition to it making more sense that all of the like four main liars are rich mona and any a also needs to be incredibly wealthy for any of this to make sense and at least in yeah. the show they're like or sorry, at least in the book, they're like, well, she drives a Hummer. <laughs> and they're like, all right, I guess she's rich. <laughs> yeah, in the show, A is, like, funded by a corporation. <laughs> I'm looking through notes I wrote when I read the books, and it's just, like, the weirdest little things. Like, oh, this was another bad mom move, is that, like, Ashley Marin has, like, no love for Hannah just ever. She treats her so coldly and, like, is, like, mad at her for acting out, even though there's all these terrible things happening to her, including, like, her dad abandoning their family. And they describe the relationship between Ashley and Hannah as boss and intern, (laughs) which is, like, the most fucked up thing to say about someone and their mom, honestly. (laughs) Because every internship is kind of, like, abuse. (laughs) Yeah, Hannah's dad also fucking sucks. And then after she's in mm-hmm. the car wreck, he's suddenly like super nice to her and buying her all this stuff. And I kind of wish that Mona had like mentioned that and like taken credit for it and been like, yeah, look how like me running you over like paid off. Now your dad <laughs> loves you. It like solved everything. Yeah, that's like classic Mona logic. Yeah, because the if you think about it, the car crash did get her dad to love her again and also made her popular again after she embarrassed herself at Mona's party. Um, suddenly, because she was in a car crash, everyone wants to come to her masquerade ball. <laughs> it's like when that girl, it's like when a girl in school, like, breaks her leg and suddenly she's, like, popular. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, like, I wish there was, like, more stuff like that of just, like, Mona, like, manipulating the friend group and, like, really leaning into it just, like, 
this like really fun dumb thing of like the only end game being like getting to go to cool parties and like have hot friends yeah exactly and like i it's weird because in the books the reveal of her is like an accident like she doesn't reveal herself to be a they figure it out Specifically, Hannah figures it out, then gets amnesia, then remembers, which is, like, not a good way to do anything. (laughs) That part is so disappointing that Mona, like, pulled off this insanely elaborate crazy thing, and then she just, like, accidentally texts Hannah from the wrong phone, which is very anticlimactic. Like, no, she's an adrenalized hyper-reality superhuman or whatever. (laughs) She has to be pulling the strings. it's weird. I feel like the, the writer of the books thinks she, like, did something clever because Hannah got a new phone, um, so she saw the, like, number. And they mentioned this a lot of times, and I feel like they thought that was, like, super clever, but it's like, if it had been her own friend, it, if it had been her old phone, it would have just said Mona Vanderwall. Like, yeah! She still would have gotten the truth revealed. <laughs> That's, like, not how phones work. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it takes her, like, going through amnesia to just remember it. And then in the show, at least Mona kind of makes, like, a conscious decision to, like, reveal to Spencer that she's A and make her little proposal to her. Uh, Which makes it even more devastating when Hannah finds out, as they are in love. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, In the book at the ending, there's this very weird detail where um, Hannah sees Mona's secret second A phone and, like, pockets it. Which I sort of understood, like, in the moment, like, that just being, like, a weird instinct she has. But then she takes it out and deletes all the texts to her. Which is very weird because if you don't have evidence that Mona was, like, a cyberbully stalker, then Spencer kind of murdering her becomes a lot more of an issue. (laughs) Yeah, Hannah very selfishly is like, well, I don't want any of my secrets getting out. (laughs) Deletes all of her own messages. Fuck all the other secrets, including people's illegal relationships and us blinding Jenna. Yeah, which I'm pretty sure they'll just, like, get all those texts from the phone company anyway, even though she deleted them on the phone. I made note, uh, Spencer has 370 MySpace friends, which, like, (laughs) at first I was like, damn, that's a lot. When I was in high school, I feel like I had, like, 200 friends. But then I remember that I went to a really small school, and she's supposed to be, like, rich and popular and up for this, like, nationwide award. So actually, I think Spencer should have more friends. Yeah, I agree. Um... Let's talk about that award she's up for because it is a very weird thing um, because she wrote a paper for an AP class and it wasn't even like a big final paper. It was like a regular assignment that was just like, you know, explain the invisible hand of the market, like very, very basic. And Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't think they have national awards for just like AP assignments (laughs) defining the invisible hand of the market. Yeah, and there were a bunch of people, other students nominated for what seemed like works in other subjects. Like, I feel like she mentioned being up against someone who was into, like, I don't know, history or something. And I was like, if this isn't, like, an economics-based competition, (laughs) like, I I just don't... Yeah, I think it's supposed to be, like, a general essay essay contest. Yeah, just, like, any random assignment you wrote. Which, in general, the assignments at the school are, like, insane. Like, Ezra... (laughs) Uh, assigned them a 10-page paper at one point, which I'm pretty sure I never had to write until college. Um, He assigns them the first 100 pages of a book and tells them to write five pages on just the first 100 pages of the book. (laughs) He's a genius. I guess 
I guess Rosewood Day is a private school, so I wouldn't know how fucking hard the assignments are. Um, but yeah, the the Golden Orchid that, that Spencer gets nominated for is just like this insane award where she has like all the past winners like memorized like it's a fucking Pulitzer or something. Yeah, and they're like, like these oh. just like high school assignments. Yeah, they're like, oh, the winner was on the cover of Newsweek or whatever. And I'm like, what the fuck? I could not name a high schooler that has done anything significant this decade except for, like, Malala. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I wanted to talk about the sequence, uh, the stuff leading up to Mona's party and then the party itself. Because I thought that stuff was all really good. Um, mm-hmm. And it's weird because it's, like, very dramatic and visual. And a lot of it is not in the show, even though I think it's, like, by far the most dramatic and visual part of the um, of the books. But, like, her showing up at Mona's in the, like, too tight dress and just, like, uh, completely ripping it and everything and it being shown on, like, the jumbo screen. <laughs> I thought that was such a good sequence and such a great, um, just, like, capturing that, like, power dynamic that Mona and Hannah have with Mona just orchestrating these things for her to be humiliated uh I thought those that part really uh rocked super hard no I agree like Mona knew what Hannah would think she knew this would she would put this on she knew she would show up and it it like plays to all of Hannah's body image issues and also it kind of goes along with like what Mona does next which is brilliant which is when she starts being like I'm getting a messages (laughs) which is like Honestly, I probably should have stood out because she is the only one outside of them that's like, I'm getting these messages. But you totally immediately are like, oh, okay. (laughs) Could be her. um, (laughs) Like, poor sweet Hannah goes through all this um, with uh, the, like, the dress being sent to her and being sabotaged. And then she immediately thinks like, oh, I get it. It wasn't Mona. It was A. (laughs) It's like, oh, no. You're so close to getting it. I also love the uh, the visual beforehand when um, there's a whole thing about how Mona and Hannah always get each other like crazy expensive gifts, um, mm. which I would have loved to see more of that, just like excess on the show. And um, one of the things she does is get her skywriting. <laughs> and the skywriting was supposed to say, uh, get ready to party with Mona, and instead says, get ready to fart with Mona, which is like my favorite A prank. <laughs> fading away except for the a at the end that's so fucking cool mona can control the elements she's like the avatar (laughs) yeah like she i guess she like called the skywriting company up and was like make the a extra strong so it doesn't fade as fast and by the way i need you to mess up this order but don't worry it's on purpose (laughs) oh she's so powerful I, like, didn't realize when she gets revealed, she says that she has Allison's diary, which I was like, oh, that's not in the show. And then I was rewatching the show, and it is. <laughs> and I still don't know how she got it, but I was like, oh, I guess this kind of explains how she knew everything. I just always assumed it was, like, her superpowers. Yeah, I feel like on the show, they kind of tried to make Mona, like, around a lot. Like, she's there when um, Arya and Allison see Byron cheating and stuff. So I feel like they wanted it to be this thing of, like, she was just, like, always in the right place learning all of their secrets. Um, but, yeah, the diary does make a lot more sense. Um, they should have just added scenes of, like, things we thought where Mona wasn't there. And then, like, in the reveal, they just cut back and Mona was, like, in the background. <laughs> 
I feel like the books did a better job of a like genuinely ruining their lives like we talked about mm-hmm. Arya getting fucking cut out uh, kicked out of the house and Emily also gets sent to fucking Iowa to live with her homophobic relatives which you'd think A would not want as it's like a lot harder to control Emily in Iowa but of course she comes back uh, but she does there meet one of my favorite characters which was Trista <laughs> uh, I'm so jealous of Emily it's such a classic YA character thing that she gets sent off to the middle of fucking nowhere to this like conservative Christian uh, farm place where there's like not even another house for miles and just immediately meets a hot bisexual slut. I know. Like when will that happen to me? (laughs) I know. We're we're adults and living in Los Angeles and we can't fucking meet a hot bisexual slut. (laughs) Never. And like also the turn with her parents is so quick like I guess it is a big thing having your daughter like go missing temporarily but after she runs away from Iowa and like considers not going home for like a day her parents like basically are like oh we changed our mind please come home and like go on the news to say that yeah it's so weird because they uh like I get that the books needed her to be back in Rosewood so it all like happens very fast where like her homophobic relatives who like knew she was a troublemaker and it's like (laughs) supposed to be their job to make her like good again the second she misbehaves they're just like well that's it you're out of here we're done with you (laughs) and the fucking other kids her shitty cousins they just throw her under the bus yeah um but i want to talk about this sequence when she runs away because i did think that was the absolute dumbest part of the entire books uh where she runs away And she gets on a bus to, like, Idaho, some other state. Um, And she's in this random diner. And the diner happens to be playing CNN. And a news report comes on on the national cable news about how Emily ran away that morning. She has not even been missing a whole day. At that point, you're, like, you're not even really missing. It's just, like, you're just, you just haven't come home yet. Yeah. She could just be at a diner being mad and being like okay I'll come home in a couple hours they don't even know um and it's on the national news well it is worth it because it does lead up to one of my favorite moments which is when Emily comes home and her mom um shares with her that she has decided to accept her being gay and to do this she has made a gesture which is that she gives Emily a gift which is a DVD of Finding Nemo (laughs) because the fish is voiced by Ellen DeGeneres, famed lesbian and I guess a swimming character. (laughs) And I thought that moment was funny. Yes. (laughs) They should have done that in the show. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, Emily's parents definitely aren't as interesting in the show. They're kind of like, I think, generic parents, whereas in the book, they're like hardcore conservative. Uh, like they will not accept her being gay and also won't even accept her being with a black person. Oh, um, yeah. They really brush over that, too. Like they never explain yeah. why they came around there. <laughs> yeah, they're being all like nice to Maya all of a sudden. And I feel like they would not get over two different prejudices that quickly. <laughs> Yeah, no, very easily, especially because at that point, Emily isn't even, like, trying to get them to approve of Maya. She kind of comes home and Maya's like, we can date, and Emily's like, all right. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's a very weird dynamic with Emily and Maya where, um, like, Emily said, I love you. They were very, very serious. She was saying, I love you. And then in Iowa, she just, like, 
makes out with a hot girl (laughs) and I guess this is sort of like realistic to teens but I guess like that experience just made her realize she doesn't have to commit to one person or something because when she comes back she's suddenly like very uninterested in Maya poor Maya I do kind of like the extremely creepy implication that uh Trista was bigger competition because she looked more like Allison than Maya did (laughs) That was a good implication that I didn't pick up on enough. (laughs) But it does make sense. Emily has that type of blondes. Yes. (laughs) I know we talked about the Ezra and Arya stuff a little bit, but I did feel like we should mention, like, the big difference, which is that he actually gets arrested in the books, which was, like, very satisfying. um, Because he never really faces consequences in the show. And even though it's very quick and, like, I was very confused by the legal decision-making here. They were kind of like, well, she's not pressing charges, so we're not going to do anything. And I was like, is that what happens when you catch a pedophile in the act? Like, I don't think it's on the child then to, like, pursue that. (laughs) Yeah, it's so weird because they take him and, like, hold him at the station for a little bit and then are suddenly like, oh, wait, no one's pressing charges, which, like, I feel like you don't, like, arrest someone go to their house, tell them they're arrested, cuff them, and take them in. And then you're like, oh, wait, no one's pressing charges. <laughs> yeah, but like, they couldn't hold him. And it's like, couldn't you? <laughs> it's like, yeah, like, if you can't hold him, then you shouldn't arrest him. That's, like, a big thing with police is, like, keeping their records of, like, arrests that actually pay off, um, you know, solid, so they, like, don't want to arrest people mm-hmm. too quickly. Um, but uh, it's very funny because they're, like, well, we can't do anything until someone presses charges, but they don't tell Arya's parents so that they could press charges. Yeah, they don't tell anyone. They quietly tell the school who, like, asks him to leave or whatever, which you'd think the school would also maybe be like, oh, let's tell her parents. But no, nobody. Yeah, the school is very specifically like, okay, we'll fire him, but we're not not putting it on his record at all, which is like, you don't want to tell people this high school teacher was with a student. Yeah, especially they get caught in the act. When he is arrested, he is in bed with Arya, and the cops, like, burst into his home and pull them out of bed. Like, (laughs) that does lead to this very weird situation uh, that makes so much sense for Arya's character, where she's, like, despairing over how horrible A is, and it's like, Emily got sent to Iowa to pray the gay away, Hannah literally got run over by a car, and Arya is like, they got my actual pedophile boyfriend in trouble, and now he can't have sex with me a child anymore. And she's, like, more mad at A than anybody is. Extremely consistent with how she is in the show as well. I'll say that's prime Arya. <laughs> yeah. You bring up a good point, though, which is I feel like Spencer did like got the least of it. And in the show, you always feel like Arya got the least of it, so people will be like, is she A? And in the books, I'm like... I guess I could see Spencer as A. She has this, like, weird rage problem where she just blacks out. Yeah. Um, Yeah, when Mona's like, you want, I really like, uh, you know, hanging out with you. Do you want to be my co-A? Like, that does make sense because all these horrible things are happening to the other people. And Spencer's just, like, nominated for an award that she didn't earn, which is just, like, A doing her a favor, basically. (laughs) Um, But, oh, on the subject of Arya being just, like, the most self-obsessed person there's this amazing detail where she starts taking classes with jenna 
uh, like art classes and every time she sees that Jenna is good she gets so mad like she like is like oh Jenna's painting is better than me and she literally thinks when she sees Jenna just like do a good painting she thinks to herself could today get any worse <laughs> um which I love because I feel like Arya hasn't even really mentioned art before like she's been much more of a writer and like a literature person but suddenly she's just like murderously angry that another person in the world is good at art and they're not even in direct competition yeah Arya would like to own all of culture and have that be <laughs> her thing because everyone else is a quote-unquote typical rosewood <laughs> Yeah, it kind of goes along with what you're saying about how, like, they read as a lot more, like, rich and elitist in the books. Something I wrote down that I thought was funny is that at one point, Mike says that downtown Rosewood is full of, quote, dirty hippies. And I was like, where's that? I want to see that. <laughs> and on the topic of, like, pedophilia with Spencer, or not with Jesus, with uh, Arya and Ezra, I also thought it was really creepy that we had Spencer, like, kind of casually loses her virginity to Ren over, like, Saturday morning cartoons. Like, she said it was to, like, PBS or something, and I was like, you just lost your virginity while, like, a kid's cartoon was playing in the room to this older guy? That's yeah, it, sketchy. Specifically listing out, like, it took, like, two episodes of Arthur and one episode <laughs> of Little Bear was so creepy. I feel like I would have enjoyed that in, like, a more, like, intentionally dark, like, gritty artistic type thing, mm -hmm. but um, in Pretty Little Liars, it's just really weird. Um, but I, I did think the Spencer Wren relationship was sort of the most like realistic of the pedophile relationships where it was just sort of like he acted super into her. And then as soon as she was like a person with feelings, he was like, <laughs> oh, actually, uh, you're too young for me. I thought you were more mature. Um, and I did think that actually like lined up pretty well with the like people I knew in high school who dated adult men. Um, whereas like with Ezra Arya it's much more like oh no this adult man will just be super sensitive and super nice and he'll always be there for you yeah no it makes sense that like the moment she actually needs him to like be her boyfriend or she's like the tiniest bit immature he's like uh and then gets back mm -hmm. with Melissa who does it just to steal him back from Spencer and then dumps Ren which honestly power move Melissa <laughs> yeah thank you for eliminating one more pedophile <laughs> Oh my god, I wrote down that Ezra is such an obvious predator. He offers Arya booze the moment she comes over, which is something I forgot about, is that, like, they all are constantly drinking and smoking cigarettes, which I also think would have made the show more fun. Oh yeah, I really love that about the books, that they're, like, genuinely, like, pretty bad girls, where they're, like, smoking and, like, going out to parties to, like, hook up with guys, um, even mm -hmm. at, like, age 13, which I thought was, like, kind of cool. Um, but yeah, this show is definitely pulled back a lot more with the like bad behavior yeah i feel like on abc family someone occasionally like pulls out a flask and then something mm -hmm. like goes wrong <laughs> yeah at least in the books like i don't know spencer smokes parlance hannah smokes camels <laughs> like we got our girls <laughs> yeah and um like even the shoplifting in um in the show they like genuinely mentioned that um without her dad around like now it's a one income household um Whereas I feel like the books are still very clear that, like, Hannah's mom still makes a ton of money and the shoplifting is, like, literally just being a bad girl, which I think I like more. Yeah. It's like Kendall Roy stealing that vape fluid. You're like, <laughs> Yes! So 
someone's being bad. Uh, Kendall Roy would have been so great on Pretty Little Liars. Oh, uh, he should have been someone's like older brother or dad. He would have been. He would have been like a good Jason. Yes. <laughs> Mona would also do very well on Succession. Oh Spencer my god. Mona should be in everything, honestly. Like, I thought the perfectionist was ultimately, like, pretty bad, and Mona and Allie, like, continuing his characters into it didn't really make sense, but I was like, oh, well, Mona the character should be reused in some stuff. Like, I would see her in more franchises. Mona should be, like, Dracula or Sherlock Holmes, where she can just, like, be (laughs) everywhere. (laughs) She becomes, like, public domain would be good. Yes. (laughs) I watched uh, the episode today where Mona gets revealed, and it's frustrating because I always say that Allie is the Joker of the show, but then they go to the masquerade ball, and Arya dresses up, like, almost just like the Joker or Harley Quinn. (laughs) She's, like, in all red and black. The masquerade costumes are pretty disappointing, I thought, because, Mm -hmm. like, they have this whole conversation where Hannah talks about, like, who they're going as. Like, she wants to go as Juliet from Romeo and Juliet. But then when you see them, they don't really, like, look like anyone. They're, like, just in, like, dresses and masks. Yeah, she's just, like, wearing white and he's wearing, like, black. Also, Arya and Ezra dance with their masks on and then off. And it's, like, no, 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 notice. I wanted, like, a SWAT team to just swarm down the moment he took off her mask. Yeah, it's so funny because, um, like, the entire point of having her with a teacher is for this element of it being, like, a forbidden thing um, where that makes there be stakes, but they're constantly just, like, forgetting that they're doing something bad. (laughs) And there's, like, really upsetting later seasons where Arya's parents, like, fully know, but they're just like, well, we have to accept it or, like, Arya will get mad at us or something. (laughs) That's, like, the thing that works in both the book and the show is it does feel like everyone is, like, afraid of this group of girls. (laughs) Um... We need to talk about something that was in this book that I 100% was like, oh, this is like a fake out. Like, this is a lie that Mona is telling. And then when it turned out to be real and Justin Timberlake actually showed up at Hannah's party, I was like, wait, what? You really think that Mona's making that up? Yeah. I, yeah, I want more of that. The, those like crazy debauched moments where these they are just these teen girls who can summon Justin Timberlake. There's also a thing where Hannah calls to book the actual person, Bobby Brown, not just like <laughs> a like technician from the company, but actual Bobby Brown to just come do her makeup for the party. Yeah, she does that by like calling the number like on the thing of Bobby Brown makeup and then being like, can I talk to Bobby Brown? And someone like <laughs> forwards her that. <laughs> These girls are so powerful. <laughs> yes. But yeah, I was really sad Hannah didn't get to dance with Justin Timberlake and that they did not do that in the show. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I really wish we got just more crazy crazy stuff they should have access to like private jets and like i don't know if you saw the 90210 reboot but there's like an episode where this guy's like oh let's go let's go to dinner i know a good spot and on their first date he just like takes her to japan for oh my sushi. god <laughs> that's the kind of stuff they should be doing on pretty little liars yeah that's like the energy they basically have yes <laughs> um Oh, the other thing that, like, kind of starts in the books that we read, it, like, doesn't really get fully realized, but the hints start dropping is of the Alley twin, which is not in the show. But it was interesting to hear all these, like, very dumb hints where they're like, Emily looked at a picture of Allie and suddenly thought, 
oh, that's a different person. She looks different. Oh, then she <laughs> blinked and the picture looked like Allie again. Or it was like, so-and-so sees like an old video of Allie and is like, oh, I always thought that was someone else. Like, it's so weird and obvious. <laughs> um. So in the books, is Allie really dead and it's just the twin that's still around? I am on book six and I still okay. don't know. Okay. I I get the sense that one twin is dead, one twin is alive, and like the twin that's alive is like fucking with them. But I haven't gotten to the actual twin reveal yet, so I don't really know who like which one is alive or dead. Okay. <laughs> and you it's... get the sense that they like switched while they were alive, so the girls were like knew both of them, I think. It's very confusing. <laughs> um Yeah, it was a very funny thing on the show where they kind of like teased that for a long time and then kind of did it with Cece, but she wasn't a twin. Was she Jason's twin? I don't Or just I think she was No, I think she was actually I don't know now. <laughs> okay. Um but yeah, so they like sort of do it with Cece, but it's just like mostly a secret sibling, and then they do it with fucking uh Allie's mom, who I didn't give a shit about and I don't really understand why I should care about her twin. And then they finally do it with Spencer mm-hmm. when they've just like given up. Well, spoil um, I'll say spoiler for the book, Spencer has now learned that she maybe was probably adopted. <laughs> so I'm now wondering in the books, I'm like, are you also gonna get a twin? Or if like they just had her be adopted. I think now that you're asking me about the Jason uh uh, Charlotte twin thing. I think that what might have happened is that Mr. De Laurentiis impregnated uh oh god who was Spencer's real mom? That lady? Uh that was Allison Dur- the mom's twin right? Yeah is did he impregnate like both of oh, those mom twins? Oh he impregnated both twins yeah. I think he impregnated both twins and they had babies like around the same time but those <laughs> babies are not twins? <laughs> Ali's dad is so alpha. Oh, or was God. It, wait, was it Spencer's dad? Oh, yeah, I think it was Spencer's dad. <laughs> <laughs> Something that I thought was fun is that at one point, Arya, in her uh, constant thing of being like, I'm different, and everyone in Rosewood is typical and the same, is she claims to be a Bratz doll in a sea of Barbies. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then I was watching the show today, and we see Mona's lair, and they're all Bratz dolls. <laughs> Um, I do think the, like, Bratz doll in a sea of Barbies metaphor is a great metaphor because Arya is still impossibly beautiful with all these nice things, but she's like, oh, but I'm just different. I, like, I... I just don't have feet. Like, basically, Arya is constantly like, I'm not like these beautiful rich girls, although I am also beautiful and rich. (laughs) That's a really good Arya impression. Thank you. It's also very funny that in the books, one of the like big defining features of Arya is that she's really tall, and then they got Lucy Hale for the show. The tiniest person alive. She's like 4'8". <laughs> I gotta be honest, the book covers really creep me out. All the pictures of like the dolls staring at you, and then oh, there's like, yeah. on the back cover, they put the photo of like a real woman that's supposed to look like a doll. It's not good. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Something that I thought was weird is that we don't get the scene of Emily and Maya, like, getting back together in between the books. Like, in the end of the first book, they're not together. They have, like, a gay scare after that party or whatever. And then in the... Was it the second or third book or the first or second book? It just starts with them being together. And I was like, oh, 
how did this happen? Like, I wish that, like, they'd actually given us a scene of them getting together instead of them just, like, kissing secretly. Yeah, their whole relationship, I thought, was very weird. And I really hated Maya, honestly, because there was this whole thing of, like, Emily seeming uninterested and, like, we sort of know that it's because she's, like, closeted and not comfortable. But regardless, like, she is saying no. And Maya blatantly is like, well, I'm just going to keep calling you. I'm going to keep pursuing you because I know you want this. And I'm like, dude. Like, and she does, like, she turns out to be right, but she should not have approached it that way. Yeah. And then, like, when Emily comes back after they've broken up, that's, like, what I was saying, where she just kind of assumes. She's like, oh, you still want to be with me, right? And it's like, well, you should maybe check. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's like a weird um, moment in one of the books, I think it's in book two, where Maya calls her like 10 times in a row, and it's not like portrayed as cre- creepy, it's just like, oh, Emily should stop giving her the cold shoulder and admit that she likes her. <laughs> yeah, it's like every time when Ezra gets mad that Arya like maybe told someone, and it's like, isn't that like a huge red flag? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are basically no good relationships in these books except for hannah and lucas and mona just had to tear them apart i know i have all my head cannons with mona and hannah there's a lot of love there (laughs) uh it's very frustrating that lucas is like very specifically like hannah have mona tell you what she did at her party like he really specifically is like you should know the truth about what happened at that party and then when hannah talks to mona about it mona's like i know what he's talking about when we were 12 we dated <laughs> like no that's not relevant at all that was a good point she was like oh we got in a fight but here's this other thing <laughs> lucas uh, really should have just like, told her yeah but it is like so silly because it's like when you like quote unquote date people when you're 12 like that's not anything like people who are dating when they're 12 don't even like sit together at lunch yeah like there's a big difference between two of the seventh graders dating and like the seventh grader dating like the 12th grader which are the relationships that like are actually meaningful in these books unfortunately yes uh there's a weird moment um where Arya's watching the the footage that's always on the news um, of all of them as 12-year-olds, which I personally think the news should not have broadcast. It oh, was very over weird. and over that one home video of them? That was so fucked up. Yeah. Um, but so you see 17 or 18-year-olds, uh, Ian, eyeing Allison, and this woman, like, I get that, like, I guess it doesn't come off creepy to the liars because they're still pretty young as well. But this adult woman who should know better looks at it and is like, oh, look at her poor boyfriend. That's so sad. (laughs) That's such a weird reaction to have to an 18-year-old and a 13-year-old. There's like something in the water in Rosewood that's like broken everyone's brains. (laughs) Yeah. There's just this weird thing where they like don't get that like pedophilia is like wrong or upsetting at all because there's this long period of time where they know that Ian was with Allison like they know that and then they'll still be like I wonder why Allison seemed like so upset or irritated or they'll be like Ian seems guilty what's he hiding and it's like (laughs) you know you know that he was an adult fucking 12 year old they're so casual and there's so many times they're like should we tell the cops no and then even Melissa is kind of like oh I had a feeling but you know (laughs) Yeah, even when, like, they tell the cops, they 
uh, they're like surprised that Wilden thinks it's relevant and it's like yeah of course it's relevant like the 18 year old who was with that 12 year old obviously killed her like if you find <laughs> that out you're gonna be like yes he killed her that's what you do when you're with a middle school girl <laughs> and he would know <laughs> yeah um, and then it's very funny that like when they find out Ian uh, killed her to like cover it up because she was saying she would come forward you're kind of like oh he shouldn't have done that because he should have known that no one would even care that he was with her <laughs> he should have just he dated her, her. yeah really <laughs> <laughs> he just had to be with Melissa Hastings who's clearly so fun to date <laughs> there's this weird thing with Melissa where um, it feels like she's like not supposed to be sexy but they're always just like somehow she has like this unbelievably hot boyfriend <laughs> I guess it may, maybe they're like they have they're like a, an actual billionaire family and that's why all these hot guys are like all right I guess I gotta be with Melissa and if I can't be with her then Spencer <laughs> my favorite part is when Spencer reveals to Melissa that she thinks that like she herself Spencer may have done it because she blacked out that night and pushed Allie and Melissa's just like <laughs> oh no sweet child like you couldn't have done it you don't have the disposition for murder. On the other hand, I might. Like, <laughs> yeah, that part's so good. And even at that point, it never occurs to, like, Spencer's immediately like, oh, Melissa did it and not her boyfriend who was with Allison. <laughs> that never occurs to anyone. Um, I also love how they, like, all keep suspecting Spencer. And then finally, Wilden is like, no, an 80-pound girl did not kill Allison and then drag her to that spot to bury her. <laughs> yeah, but maybe her and her twin. <laughs> it also is super creepy that um, when after they find out about Ian, he's still the field hockey coach. Oh, my no God. No one is concerned that a guy who was with a middle school girl is the actual field hockey coach at this school. Oh, yeah. And then Spencer believes this thing Allie told her, which is that Ian only kissed Spencer because Allie told him to. And so we're supposed to think that, like, this guy is already dating someone his age. Then he has this, like, secret pedophilic affair with a seventh grader. Then that seventh grader goes, hey, kiss my friend, the younger sister of the girl you're dating, and he innocently goes, okay, and kisses her, but felt nothing? And you're like, wait, what the fuck? Yeah, there's also this insane moment where Ian and Spencer in the present day are together again, and Ian is just confidently flirting with her and like, hey, let's make out. And first off, his girlfriend, her older sister, is in the other room. Mm -hmm. Second off, she knows he dated her dead friend when said friend was in seventh grade, which like... If I'm a junior in high school and someone hits on me who I know was with my friend when she was 12 or 13, I'd be like, no, dude, you're a pedophile. They're so casual about it. Ugh. Yeah. Everyone's just like, oh, well, Allie was such a hot 13-year-old. Oh, uh, you just it's couldn't resist disgusting. that fucking hot, evil child. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so it has, I think, been about an hour on the recording. Okay. Uh, did we cover all the big uh, stuff you wanted to talk about? Yeah, I think so. Most of the stuff I wrote down was like stupid little one-off <laughs> lines. <laughs> it is, yeah, they're such fascinating books. There are so many paragraphs where like the whole thing, I'm just like, what an interesting thing to say. 
Spencer's family's like obsessed with Donald Trump, I guess. <laughs> and she's like his competition because she might win a high school essay award, according to her local paper. She's clearly the next Donald Trump. <laughs> obviously. When I find out someone wrote a good essay, I'm like, oh, you're obviously going to be the next Donald Trump. She's the next Donald Trump. Got to put her on the cover of the paper. <laughs> Uh, all right, so uh, let's, I guess, get into our ratings and recommendations. Um, I know my rating after reading more of the books stays pretty much the same. Uh, these books are so fun and addictive, but they're also just so stupid and so <laughs> full of very bad messages about pedophiles uh, that I got to give them just, uh, just two stars. Uh, the show, I find more like well executed and professional than the books but a little less endearingly batshit um but i'm gonna give the show two and a half stars i think um and so uh i guess do you want to do your ratings and then we'll do our recommendation sure um i agree the books are very stupid and addicting which is why i've continued to read them now (laughs) in quarantine um yeah, I mean, I would never give them to, like, a child or an impressionable youth to read. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, like, I never want, you know, anyone to think that these books are right. But if you're an adult who knows that they're wrong and you want to have fun, it's like reading, like, I don't know. It's like watching a CW show in a book. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to give the books three stars. And the show, I agree, is better, but still bad in many ways. (laughs) And, like, added even more pedophiles for some reason. And then I think, like, defended it even more than the book did. Yeah. Um, I'll give the show four stars. (laughs) But I'm very biased. (laughs) Um... So my book recommendation for fans of the show is a book called I Will Remember You, A Ghost Story. I'm not going to try to pronounce the author's name because it is an Icelandic book, which I guess is a good tie-in with Arya's whole thing. Yeah. Um, But it's this uh, Icelandic mystery that just has like a really insane plot with really great uh, twists and turns. And uh, one of the characters is just an insane hot bitch who I think would do very well in the Pretty Little Liars world. Oh, we love our insane hot bitches. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, my, back, my book recommendation is called My Name is Trouble and the author's name is Taylor. Uh, and the author actually used to co-host a Pretty Little Liars podcast that I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. And the book is very Pretty Little Liars. It's about a teen trying to solve a mystery and there's murders and secret twins and things like that. So... Check it out. (laughs) All right. Well, Jane, thank you for joining me. I always love having my Pretty Little Liars expert on. Aw, thank you for having me. I'm so honored to be a Pretty Little Liars expert, even though I probably should not be. (laughs) Uh, Is there anything you want to plug? Just follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jane Kripe with a C. And you can follow me at Lenny Burnham. And you can follow the show at Chapter Surfing. And check out all the other shows on the Major Cast Network as well. Thank you for listening.
Do you want to learn falsehoods? Do you want to learn the not truths? Do you want to go to hell? Join Eric McAdams, Alea Plotney, and Liam Sr. as they go to hell. We Are Experts is a podcast on the Major Cast Network. Each episode, we take a topic we know nothing about and speculate wildly till our hearts content. And then they sort of learn a little bit about the real topic at the end. But not too much. Just a little. Tune into We Are Experts. Wherever you get podcasts, whenever we feel like posting it. Thanks for listening to the Major Casts Network. Stay fun, stay nasty, and stay major.